Hello, and welcome to the In the Can podcast. My name is Devin, and I'm here with... Jenny. And Tom. And James. And we are sitting upstairs at the game table again. I think we've settled in here. Yay! I like it here. Thankfully. Quite nicely, until the basement's done. Yeah, until the basement's done. Almost there. It'll be a couple more weeks. So, how's everyone doing today? Pretty good. Dope. Can't complain. I'm pretty good. I've been working just on random stuff. A lot of writing. I got stabbed a lot yesterday. <laughs> Me too. It was weird. I wouldn't play in a card tournament in Monroe. I was going to win. Nope. Oh. I went two and four and lost my last game to a 10 year old girl. It was awesome. Did you have fun though? Heck yeah. That's all that matters. Yeah. And uh, the and Chris, who I went with, actually made it to the top eight before uh, he unfortunately lost. But that's not surprising. Good time was had by all. It was, no, it's it was a uh, stiff competition. So, uh, it, it was the people he played against. I guess were actually like really good people to play against. So, all right. I don't know. I'm, it was my first tournament for this game, so it was a lot of fun though. I enjoyed it. I'm on day three out of four of days off, and I've just been sleeping until two p.m. because I can. I know the feeling. Yes. Same. Quite nice. I'm gonna be doing that this week. I haven't done that in a while. It's because you're too social, Tom. You're such a butterfly. Because I work all the time. (laughs) You work too hard. I, yeah. I do. Having jobs is a thing. Unfortunately, being an adult sucks. Don't do it, kids. Don't grow up. (laughs) Whoa, hey, hang on. I I think it's a little bit late for all of us there. No! (laughs) It's coming from the child of the group. Ouch. Rude. So, uh, moving on from who's a child here. <laughs> You're a child. Uh, I am a child in my heart. Uh, so this week, please, uh, please. has anyone seen any interesting movies? Well, Tom and I watched Stuber. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. So, it was an interesting film. Dave Batista and Kamal Nanjani are what a pair yeah i mean every time i see kamal like i want to see more of him because i think he's just a funny guy to watch i uh, i really liked him in uh big sick i that's one movie i haven't seen him in but i love yeah. him on silicon valley i haven't watched it such an awesome tv show the guy who plays the instructor in the new spider-man films oh yeah he plays one of the characters on there, and he's, like, the most down guy all the time. Such a pessimist. I only know one scene from that show. He's a pessimistic realist, as I would put it. So he's constantly, like, trying to bring up the realism of things, but at the same time, always the pessimistic view of realism. And it's just, it's, and he's super funny and hilarious, and... Anyways, but Kamal is great to fun, is great fun to watch. Loved him in the MIB movie. Even though his character wasn't a huge character, he played Pawnee. Oh, yeah. It wasn't a huge character, but I, I loved his character there. So I guess I gotta ask, what was the dynamic between the two, like Laurel and Hardy, or like two of the three Stooges? Um, definitely not Stooges. It was hard because, um, th- this a little bit was in the trailers. Um, the main premise of the movie is that Dave Bautista's character gets LASIK eye surgery, so he can't see. 
And he's a policeman that's been working on a case for many years. And he gets a call from his informant saying, hey, the drop's going down tonight. You gotta go. And he's like, oh, no, I have to go. But I can't drive. So he ends up calling an Uber. And then they do police work together. But the Uber guy has his own agenda. He's trying to do things. And David Teese's character's like, no, no, no. We gotta do the police stuff. But the best part of this movie is just the fact that Dave Batista can't see. So he's constantly running into everything, banging his head. And Dave Batista's a big guy. So watching him run into every little thing possible, hilarious. Best part of the whole film. Almost reminds me of a comedic version of that one that one movie where the hitman's taking the Yeah, collateral, thank you. Yeah, Jamie Foxx. It's like it's almost reminding me of that. And Okay, I mean to a little bit of an extent. The the vehicle for which they interact more than anything. Though it sounds it sounds kinda like Abbott and Costello. Yeah, and there's a little bit of, like, a morality thing going on, like, one's trying to point out the morality to, of things to another, mm-hmm. because they're blinded by their work. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Ha, 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 ha. And then the other one is blinded by what his dream of the future should be, and can't grow out of that. So they kind of, like, help each other, like, grow up, essentially. The perpetual yeah. dreamer and the workaholic. Yeah. And it's... Oh, Darwin Greg. <laughs> yep, pretty much, yeah. But without the hippie mm, Without the hippie. Without the hippiness. Uh, yeah. That's also a reference I don't think a lot of people will actually that's, remember. Uh, yeah, wow. I haven't thought they, about that TV show in a long time. come back for... They did. Yeah, they came back for a season or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah an unnecessary season. You still have just Jack. Oh God, Jack. <laughs> yeah, so. so anyway, um, we watched Stuber. I also watched um, Babes in Toyland. Mm-hmm. It was recommended by the guys, so I'll get into that later. I'm sure, you got right on it. And didn't watch it last minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you had access to it for ooh almost a week. You know what? <laughs> Maybe I wanted to freshen my mind. You ever think oh, okay. of that? Yeah, true. Yeah, you can think that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what did you guys watch this week? Man, I didn't watch shit. <laughs> well. No. The documentary about feces. Uh, it's really weird. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> As per usual, work tends to uh, beat me down. Luckily, I've got this week off, so I'll probably watch a couple things. I spent most of the week, like, needing to turn on background stuff that I couldn't really focus on. Because I was writing, and then I was, like, turning on. I rewatched the first couple seasons of Stranger Things, and had a lot of background stuff on. A bunch of slasher films, because I'm working on in that genre. But the big new one that I got around to watching uh, is Conspiracy of Faith, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the... Or I'll talk about a little bit later, but... Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Danish um, detective thriller. So. Okay. But other than that, I kind of like rewatched Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, and a bunch of other ones. Gotcha. I watched uh, primarily a TV show that's been off the air for a couple of years now. Okay. Uh, Glee. Um, Why did you decide to watch Glee? I'm more wondering how far into it did you get. I'm now on season three. Okay, so they're are they still in the high school? Yes, it's their senior year. Okay, so this the show is still decent. Yes, the show is still decent. 
Now, I had watched it up to season four and a half, five, I think, when it was still actually on the air. Did they do Gangnam Style and someone passed out? Not yet. Okay. That that's a sentence. That's about where I stopped like caring about the show. Okay, yeah, you know they that's haven't gotten sentence. that far. Uh, they just finished Booty Camp. You said um, Booty Camp. Booty Camp. It was where they're trying to teach everybody to dance better, and they've split into two different choirs at McKinley High School. Okay. Uh, they have a girls' choir, which is because of a character who can't sing, and her father's rich. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly yeah. enough, they're the Alto. Sugar Mata, yeah. Um, and then you have the regular choir who actually knows what the heck they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten that part, or gotten to that far, or gotten that far in the show. But the only reason why I even am watching it right now is because I was able to pick it up on Voodoo for like. I think it was like five or six dollars a season. Once again, not sponsored. No, not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor us, yeah, if Voodoo wants to give us free movies, that'd be awesome. <laughs> right, totally yeah. down over that. Totally down for that because we will watch all the movies. Wait till wait till a later season. You split up in two choirs again. We've got the regular choir, and then we've got the castrato. No, the other choir is called the Warblers. They're about the same. Yeah, pretty much. They go to an all boys prep school. Yeah. Uh, but they already poached and one. Now person they do commercials for Taco Bell. Yup. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy the show, but it yeah. went downhill. Yeah, that and then I watched some other movie that I can't think of. Oh, uh the second Fantastic Beast movie, uh Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh um, eh. It's okay. It was alright. It wasn't as good as the first one. But Well, they tried to hammer too much in that didn't fit. The problem with it for me, the plot wasn't as cohesive as the first movie was. Yeah, it felt like an interquel, kind of like uh, kind of like Two Towers or like Chamber of Secrets. It, it sets up a lot, but at the same time, doesn't pay off anything. Right, and the- they're going to be uh, having a third movie, which they haven't announced yet. But if they don't, then they are missing a golden opportunity here because there's answers that aren't. Mi- aren't actually answered to a ton of questions. Well, there's also the problem that Grindelwald tries to come off as the benevolent leader thing, but we also saw him kill a baby in, like, the first 15 minutes. So it's like, yeah, dude, I can't buy anything you're selling. You've kind of tipped your hand. Yeah, we also haven't seen, for those who haven't seen it, oh well, uh, we haven't seen um, Nagini get stuck into her form yet. Mm-hmm. That was a whole thing. Yeah, we also haven't seen what's going to end up happening with uh, the Legimancy sister, who I can't think of her name. Oh, offhand. Queenie. Yeah, Queenie. What? Because she's now on his side with. It doesn't really, Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because we already know the outcomes. But yeah, uh, to me, the bigger thing is the whole thing with Credence. And the fact that they're leading up to World War II. That's the interesting part to me, is what do the wizards do during World War II? Muggle or Nomad war, World War II. That's the interesting. I thought Creed's exploded out. <sighs> no. He, he also exploded. may or may not be a Dumbledore, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, it got... I, I, I watched it and was just confused. They go into World War Two, and that's the next movie I'd be in. Otherwise, it's kind of like, cool, thanks for the story, but... Yeah. Rowling should just stop. Well, it'd be nice if she explored 
something other than the Harry Potter actual Harry Potter mythos. Mm-hmm. If she went within the same world, but she went with the American schools or any of the other schools in the world, or no, nah, they don't exist. You just don't tie it back do. to the same story. Yeah, just don't tie it back don't to the same story. Series, yeah, yeah. Like I would love to know more about Hero of Another Story, Overmorning. I would love to know more about Bo Batten's. That's why I like the first. Oh, one. I love Bo Durmstrang. Yeah, uh, I can't think of the Japanese one. But that's it's like Akis on Akihara. Yeah, and then there's uh, Castle of Bruyo, um, which I just br- uh, the name for Brazil. Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, but that, like that, that's kind of, that's kind of why I like the first one. Is like. It, the only tie-in was at the very end. Yeah, and even that, it's it wasn't. If you don't know anything, you yeah. don't really have to, you don't really have to mind. Right. Yeah, and then the second one brought in Dumbledore, brought in Nagini, brought in like they they felt they seemed forced. It and they needed yeah. to add more to tie-in, and that's fine. But I don't think some of the right. decisions they made for that are just like why. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. Right. So uh, I'm not gonna poop on it. What? Well, the the other big movie that came out this week that none of us saw is Crawl. Right. I just want to point out that that has an eighty eight percent and is doing. I don't know how it's doing box office wise, but it is getting reviewed extremely well. And I don't know how I feel about that. Sam, I thought okay. it looked like visually. I think it looks amazing. Cinematography A one. Yeah. Plot. It's Florida's version of Deep Blue Sea. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I'm like, I like the idea of it, of this kind of flooding flooding suburbs with crocodiles not coming through. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And it looks like it's shot really well and all that, which is a problem with a lot of these kind of movies, but... I feel like I if know. it was it's anything not... other than alligators... I mean, I think yeah. there's a similar movie with sharks. But, like, you bring in, like, a plesiosaur, you bring in Nessie... I'm down. Cthulhu? Cthulhu? You could bring in something weird. I legitimately legitimately thought it was going to be a Cthulhu story. I was like, I was so for it. But as as to what the box office is doing, domestic estimate as of today is 12 million. Not terrible. And Mm -hmm. its budget was 13.5. Yeah, so I'm sure it'll probably make its budget back pretty easily. Yeah, definitely. So, nice cheap little horror movie. Yeah. But so, they weren't huge releases. Our theater didn't even put them in like our large theaters. They were down a hallway in really small Spider theaters. Man's still the Spider Man oh, is yeah. still it. Yeah, it drowned everything until next week. I think that's past a billion. I think it just hit a billion, or it's kind of about to cross it. So I know Endgame watch. It's within five million. So yeah, uh, two point seven eight something billion. So yeah. But uh, from there, shall we move into some like recent movie news? Sure. Uh, first off, San Diego Comic Cons this week. So yeah. Anyone nice. who's Marvel, DC, comic book fans, or any nerd culture fans, uh, big weekend for you. And most likely, we're going to hear the entire Marvel Phase Four slate, or we're in another direction. Point. Yeah. We're going to kind of know where they're potentially going with their next few movies. Yeah, super excited. Reminder, they're taking a year off and coming back next year. Which so. they need to do anyway. They definitely need to. People were very burned out by all of the Marvel movies. Yeah. I, I would definitely want them, though, like yeah. I said, uh, the, like I said, I think the week before, 
Spider-Man actually kind of was like, now I'm actually kind of curious, and we're going to have the year off, so I'll actually be able to let it percolate. Mm -hmm. Which, they honestly did a great job wrapping everything up. I'm curious where they're going. Um, Spider-Man kind of laid some seeds going forward. Oh, yeah. We'll see, but that's going to be announced. Most likely we'll know finally what's going on with DC. Uh, We know Joker's coming up, and that's about it. Everything else is kind of Maybe or maybe not happening. So. DC, they're canceling their cinematic line. Gotcha. Maybe. We don't know. They're, I don't know if they're in Hall H this year, but we'll see. Uh, they might make a huge announcement. They might not. We're rebooting Batman again. Please. They are. Please. We're going to see they the are, and It sounds like it's going to be like a film noir. And I'm like, we're going to we're gonna see the Wayne shot again. <laughs> this would be, what, the eighth time? At least. I think every movie shows it just to show it. <laughs> kind of like uh, Uncle Uncle Ben dying and um, Spider Man just and keeps getting shot. Except for like, this one. Except this one, which so is we nice. saw it like three times in uh, um, Into the Spider Verse, so it kind of evens up. <laughs> I but mean, to be fair, yeah. The other big news that may ultimately not end up being as big a news as people are thinking is the rumor. I guess then it's from quote unquote reports that Lashana Lynch will be taking over as James Bond or as 007 more specifically I think there's a lot of logic issues with uh, changing your main character to that is the synonymous name with the series into a different gender the photo negative as it were that that sounds like that could be a cool plot device but I don't think that it's as I don't think it's as obvious as people are thinking it is Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that it's she is now James Bond 007 I think that she is going to be brought in as a character along with the next James Bond. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm definitely hoping that's actually Idris Elba. <laughs> I'd love it to be Idris Elba. Uh, I think he might be a little too old at the moment. Yeah, but then but you look we'll at Connery. See. He may he have been young, but he looked old. old. He didn't start old though, so he yeah. looked old. Yeah, but. May, may or may not happen. We'll see. Stay it's tuned. It's definitely yeah. the thing that's getting kicked around the wasps, though. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Uh, I watched the Brazen ones, then I kind of pieced out. So, I mean, I really don't have a stake or care one way or the other. I don't know. I actually like the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. Like, to me, <laughs> the good. Daniel Craig movies have been up and down. Quantum of Solace and Spectre were kind of weak. Yeah. Skyfall and Casino Royale were really good. So, yeah. but, so this one should be really good. It's better. <laughs> but... I'm curious where they're going. From there, we're going to move into our main topic of the evening. Or day, or morning, or whenever you're listening to this. And who wants to take detective movies? Hmm. Shall the one with the shortest actual knowledge apparently go? Chance me. All right. I I had to fight to get three. For once, I have more knowledge than someone. (laughs) Surprisingly enough, all the things that I thought of were actually way more... Uh, in line with crime dramas than detectives. Or if they had a mystery, it was kind of a... you. The audience is probably in on it or figuring out at the same time there's not one person directly driving the plot. You know, like that subplot that was apparently supposed to be in Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Superman. Anyway. Yeah. But off topic. But the first one I'm going to talk about is actually the one that had the most discussion of all of mine, 
between us, and that's Clue. Which Clue? Like the original... 1985 American one, Tim Curry. Tim Curry one. The Great Clue movie. They made more? I think they made a couple different ones, didn't they? Why? You already have perfection. I feel like they did. That's a different game. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry to boggle your mind. You're trouble. Yeah. Sorry. (sighs) If only there was a whole night devoted to those. Yeah, it's my life. All right. Anyway. Seriously, though, Devin, you need to stop taking Monopoly of this mm. podcast. Johnny's but, um, falling asleep poker. Anyway. Putting on Tess. But, yeah. Quite a risk. <laughs> I'm not I'm not giving him anything for this. Well, Ouija <laughs> board. No, that was left there. Right, so yeah, 1985 American Ensemble Mystery Comedy Film, and boy is that a, that's a genre. <laughs> but yes, uh, Tim Curry, Eileen Brennan, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, that's right, he's, he's plum. <laughs> I legitimately forgot that. Michael McKean, Martin Mull, and Leslie Ann Warren, directed by Jonathan Lynn. It... It was a unique film in the fact that it has it has three different endings, and when it was in theaters, each theater had its own ending. Like theaters would have a different ending depending on however they charted it out. So the ending you saw might not have been the one a friend of yours saw. Yeah, and so people would actually get together and they'd be like, "So, what did you think of that ending? Oh, it was great." So, blah 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 blah. That's not the ending I saw. Are you serious? That's not the ending I saw. What? What? And then there would be confusion, and then they'd be trying to go around trying to find out what was going on. And this was pre-internet. Yep, and so it wasn't until the actual DVD came out that they actually had all of them in one spot. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. I I remember reading somewhere that the, the A and B one were just possible scenarios, and C was the actual true ending. Hmm. But I'm not sure who subscribes to that or or what. That's my thought because I would. That's kind of like how I would do it: is you have the two possible ones, and then you just have the one actual one. So, James, why would you classify Clue as a detective movie? Because at the end of it, <laughs> going going on the basis that that I follow of the the last one being the true ending, you have one of the characters reveal that he's actually police officer or FBI agent looking to go after the person who's been blackmailing everyone because that's how the plot starts off. You've got six different people who come who are summoned essentially Mm -hmm. to this mansion and it turns out that the thing they all have in common is that they're being blackmailed by a Mr. Mr. Brody? Body. Body. Yeah. Mr. Body. That's the joke. Mr. Body's body. That's right. Okay, I kept seeing Brody, and I was like, "That doesn't sound right." That's Body. No, oh, yeah, body. but yeah, they're all being blackmailed by, by Mister Body, and, well, uh, it kind of spirals out of control from that point. Mm-hmm. Couple dead people, and if you ever played the actual board game Clue, there's definitely some heavy hat tipping to that. Oh yeah, the murder weapons and all that sort of stuff, and. Things progress of basically it's a murder mystery. You're trying to figure it out, what's happening, who done it, until the very end where you get the one of three endings. Mm-hmm. One of them is 
everybody killed someone different. No, wait, that's the actual one. Uh, it it breaks down to where one of them. The one I watched, the butler did it. Which is actually the true ending, if I remember correctly. Give me a second. I'm sure that's the one I've seen, too. Yeah, I watched it when yeah. it was just on cable one day, and I said, oh, there's a movie based on the board game? Yeah. One got the... One of them, the maid for the house, killed Mr. Body under orders from Miss Scarlet, and then Miss Scarlet kills the maid along with all the other murder victims because she's got a an extortion business. And plans to sell secrets of everyone else. Sounds alright. Yep. And then it turns out that the butler is actually an FBI agent. Ah. In that one. The other... Uh, ending B. Uh, Mrs. Peacock kills kills all the victims to cover up her taking bribes for foreign powers. Mm-hmm. And again, butler reveals that Wadsworth, played by Tim Curry, reveals he's an undercover FBI agent planned to... Sp- Plan to spy on her activities. Okay. And the last one, what again, what I consider the true one, or that I've been led to believe was that each murder was committed by a different person. So everyone kills someone. Then it turns out that instead of Mr. Body having been killed in the beginning, Wadsworth reveals that he is Mr. Body and threatens mm-hmm. everyone as like, haha, I'm going to get away. Then oh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Green reveals that he's actually yeah. He is the FBI agent who has been on Mr. Body's case. Gotcha. And the funny part about that, which we referenced in something, Devin, was that uh, Mr. Green's dark secret that he was getting blackmailed for, remember this is 85, was that he was gay. Oh. And the end of it is that him, him like, they're arresting everybody, and he's he kind of, like, straightens up his jacket and all that says, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Okay. It's just it's a giant joke. But that's what it is, is the fact that at the end of it there is a detective trying to figure out the 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 mystery. Mm. And even even if you don't take into account that being a tr- the actual ending and the other ones, there's still an undercover agent who walks you through everything cuz that's the that's the best part, the physicality from Tim Curry running Tim through Curry. all the murders. He's and great. There's there's an aura of mystery, and I haven't watched it in a while. I'm not sure if you could actually follow through and figure it figure out anything. I don't know. It's been they, so long. That they I kept it vague enough. Mm-hmm. But if nothing else, Tim Curry's performance is worth the watch. Tim Curry's performance is always worth the watch. Fern Gully. But that's yeah, that's that's the first one I'm going to be talking about tonight. He's my second favorite Pennywise. Alright. Hang on. Because I love Bill Skarsgård. So, who's going next? Time to go the next lowest amount of movies. Wow! Are we going Kitty Corner again? We we do what we did last time? We do in the hourglass? Why not? Sure, okay. Now the people listening know how we're sitting. (laughs) Okay. They don't know where we are in relation to, you know, the, the stars and the moon and the sun. I'm hanging from the ceiling. It's great. Okay. Yeah, ease up the pressure on your neck. Yep, pretty much. Okay, so I have a few different ones to choose from. I haven't seen a whole lot, like everyone called me out for. So I'm going to talk about one that pretty much everyone has seen, or at least it's very well known. 
the Sherlock Holmes series with um, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law yeah, playing Holmes and Watson, respectively. Very good films. I really enjoyed how they took a second and broke down how Holmes was actually going to fight people or like look at things in his perspective of you know a quick little 10 second deal that's going on in his head and then he executes it very well i also like that holmes was more of a hands-on guy and not just a detective and the behind the scenes kind of oh where are the clues he's actually you know fighting people and doing cool stuff it always bothered me in the first that they do it once they mm-hmm. do it again and then they don't do it near the finale yeah they never bring back the the like fight deduction for, like, a subversion or... Mm-hmm. Well, what's really weird about that is the fact that they did that in the second movie. Yeah, but it, it felt weird in the first that they didn't bring it back and have him start deducing then the guy outsmarted. Yeah. Or have him start deducing and it just be like, oh, that was easier than I thought it would be. You know, and just have that little capper of that... Yeah. yeah. Almost that joke. Because him, like, being able to effortlessly slap a guy around is kind of like oh, wow, uh, that's kind of funny. And it's this really cool scene, but they don't bring it back to the finale of the movie. Right. And the weird thing is, in the second one, like, every single one, I think, was a subversion. Well, they they do it with uh, Moriarty mm-hmm. at the end of the second, at the end of Game of Shadows. and it, That's a great cap. It's like, that's a great scene. But even the first one that I remember against the, the Chinese assassin, he has all this stuff planned out, and then he gets just gets a, a knife thrown into his chest from someone that yeah. Sherlock wasn't even paying attention to. Yeah. Like, I kind of wish they would have brought that into the finale of the first one. Definitely, I'm yeah. I'm trying to think what they, they could have, how they could have done it, but that doesn't matter. That's yeah. that's a whole other issue. I, I love the style of the, the two. Yes, I really like, um, I really like Robert Downey Jr. There's some people that aren't a big fan of him because he is kind of like his Iron Man character a bit arrogant. I enjoy that, and he doesn't, he's not as arrogant in the Sherlock Holmes series, but definitely, like, his personality comes across, and I feel like Jude Law is a good compliment to that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those two bounced off each other phenomenally. Right. And you gotta have that really good dynamic between partners, detectives, buddy cops, stuff like that. You gotta have that really good dynamic between two actors in order to make a good movie. Rush Hour. That was, first, that was also the first my, couple. That was also my list. <laughs> yeah, one um, two. I also, I, I also have to say the second one completely wasted Numi Rapace or Nomi Rapace, who played Lisbeth Slander in the original Dragon Tattoo series. Absolutely wasted her in the in the second movie. Well, they also wasted Stephen Fry. I don't even remember his in the movie. Yeah, he plays Mycroft. Oh, yes. Yeah, right. They there wasted, was a lot of wasted. They parts, wasted him, especially the second movie. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they wasted him so hard. So yeah. anyway, that was my real classic, like everyone's detective movie, right. Sherlock Holmes. Ninety nine percent of the people have probably seen it. Right. Yeah. So that brings me up then, right? Alright. We're going that way, yeah, sure. So my first movie that I'd like to talk about came out in nineteen eighty seven, rated R, directed by Brian De Palma, uh, is The Untouchables. Uh, starring Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, and Robert De Niro. On my list to watch. It's a very good film. Um, the synopsis is about the is it's set during the era of prohibition in the United States. Federal agent yeah. Elliot Ness puts together a handpicked team 
of agents to track down and get Al Capone finally for all of his crimes. Capone and Capote are two very different people. But I guess they are. the exact same name. Uh, and the reason why Elliot Ness handpicks everybody is because of the amount of rampant corruption going on. Yeah, well, it's the 20s. 20s? 30s. 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 Yeah, I can never remember. He started in the Great Depression and then just kept going. Yeah, it's about the 20s, 30s, yeah. Um, takes place twenties, thirties, yeah. yeah. So the biggest, the biggest scene I know of from that that instant pops into my mind whenever I think Untouchables is the scene with Connery about the escalation. Yeah, you know, they come at you with a knife. You come at them with a bat or something like that. I don't, I don't know how it actually goes. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the scene that pops into my head when I think about this movie. Yeah, um, the movie itself is just fantastic. The acting that they have in here just it, it it's the level that they put it to is unlike most of the i guess detective type films that you would see coming out of the 80s 90s uh i think it's a lot higher quality that's kind of what you get with the palma though that's true that's true and i guess the question the question i have is what makes this more detective-ish than just a straight-up crime thing like either uh departed or raid 2 so this they're actually doing the police work they're tracking down they're trying to find and figure out a way of catching this criminal while he's just walking around in the open doing his thing doing whatever he wants and they actually have a scene where Capone is leaving, I believe it's either a courthouse or a, a hotel. And Elliot Ness walks up to him and says, all right, I'm going to catch you. And he goes, do it. Do whatever you want. Touch me. I dare you. You can't do anything to me. Tax evasion. Yeah, well, that was the thing, like. You, you've got nothing on me. Prove that I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just do it. Come at me. The IRS. <laughs> it's the IRS. Show this one to the IRS. Don't show this one to the IRS. Oh, yeah. Sorry, producers. Anyways, so you have that going on. The scenes that have Capone in them are fantastic. De Niro blows that out of the water. One of the facts that I really liked about this is the fact that De Niro actually contacted some of the tailors of Al Capone Mm -hmm. to actually come in and make fitted suits and everything for him in the exact style of Capone's. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's, that's That's the kind of touch I like. Right. They also had the last survivor of the actual Untouchables come in and be a consultant for this film. Ooh. Yeah, I believe the guy's last name was Wolf. Uh, and he would have been 70, 80-ish. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they got... They talk about getting the Mounties involved and the whole thing with Canada and trying to catch him for smuggling alcohol over from there. And it, the story is just fun and interesting to watch. I know in real life it's not fun, but for the cinematic person to watch this unfold, it's fun to watch. And when you 
sit there and you watch Sean Connery's character talk about going from basically being a beat cop to being elevated to an agent of the government to that's been elevated to try to track down this high-profile criminal. He's like, yeah, you got to do these things. I'm a street... I'm a beat cop that's from the street, and you got to do these things, and blah, 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 blah. When you're out there walking the beat, sometimes your feet get cold, so you just have to stamp them down. He's talking about how to, like, stay warm on these cold nights in the middle of Chicago. Yeah. And, like, keeping alert all night long while you're watching people. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting look at that time period for the crime and for being a detective and like i said they're literally following these leads down and trying to track them down to catch al capone prohibition it never pays no i mean it does if you're a criminal yeah the only reason they could have the crime though is because of the prohibition that's a weird catch 22 right so that's untouchables all right that brings us to Devin. oh god we're putting the void last (laughs) Originally, I was going to say Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. Then I changed it up to Minority Report. And I'm like, yeah, I've already talked about Minority Report when we did sci-fi. I forgot so about I jumped to another movie directed by the guy, uh, Denis Villeneuve, that uh, directed Blade Runner 2049. I jumped to Prisoners. Such a good movie. The uh, 2013 crime-slash-mystery drama uh, starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal as... Keller Dover and Detective Loki. Uh, first off, the kind of idea of this movie is that Hugh Jackman's character's daughter? Yeah. Daughter, was it daughter or son? Daughter or son yeah. gets Child. kidnapped and disappears. And he starts doing the detective work himself and ends up finding a guy and just trapping him or like Kidnapping him, trapping him in a wall, basically, and like beats the living crap out of him, trying to find out where the daughter is. Where, while Detective Loki, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, is also trying to find what's going on. So you end up getting this kind of like by the numbers, and then one of the darkest mysteries I have ever seen in a movie. Um, where you have the whole storyline with Hugh Jackman's character beating the crap out of a guy with a hammer and pulling up nails and all sorts of stuff trying to figure out where it is and I just love the way this movie kind of unfolds and slowly trickles out information and it's just such a well made movie well shot movie the dialogue and directing on the actors is just phenomenal so and it's not surprising, but then he went on to make uh, Blade Runner 2049, and I love that. So, For sure. Yeah. I really do love De- Denis Villeneuve as a director. So, Has anyone else seen Prisoners? Nope. nope. Yes, I love Prisoners. Cool. Such a good movie. And it was his daughter. Okay. He also made a movie called, movie called Incendies, which is really good if you ever want to see that. Okay. He's made Denis Villeneuve has made some really intense movies, and Prisoners is does I not think, disappoint. On that I think level. it's his underrated movie out of all of them. I, I it's definitely not disappointing when it comes to the level of intensity. Oh yeah, 
Um, especially once he actually has hold Dano. Yeah, yeah. Once he has his character captured, and he's like, like really just like putting the screws to him, and he's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you, What are you talking about? Why Why do you have me? <laughs> you like he's about to kill him with a, a small sledgehammer, and like it's the does he actually go through with this or? Kind of like that moral quandary is what I, the big crutch of this movie is like. Does he actually go through with killing this person that may or may not be innocent? Yeah, right. and especially since he's maintaining even to this point that he's innocent, he has no idea what the guy's talking about. Yeah, and then the big twist, and you're sitting there going, "Where did that come from? Holy crap!" It's an absolutely phenomenal movie. Yeah, and then you've that that big twist is just. Oh my god, amazing. Back to James. Oh, that's right. I, I am. <laughs> I am. top of the order, yeah. <laughs> well, to lighten up from that, uh, second one I'm going to talk about is actually the second Ace Ventura uh, movie, When Nature Calls. Why'd you pick the second one? Because I like it better. Okay. <laughs> Good choice. Uh, the first one was definitely way more straight detective Jim Carrey movie and Jim Carrey in the 90s that's pretty much all you gotta know mm-hmm. the mask the, all that sort of stuff and well the the first one was set mainly in, like I said very much just the traditional detective trying he's pet detective trying to find a lost animal mm-hmm. the second one also does that but it changes locale instead of the suburban area they're now in Rhino's ass. Oh, <laughs> that too. That's an intense scene. But the fun part with this one is the fact that he's trying to look for the for an animal called Shikaka, a giant great white bat. Okay. And the thing is, Ace Ventura has been billed as basically someone who loves all animals, not bats, though. Bats are so cute. There's a scene where he's trying to look for it and look for for the animal in a cave, and through various things, various funny antics, he ends up startling all the bats. Of there. course, he does. And he runs out screaming, whacking, whacking his hair, just screaming, saying, "They're in my hair! They're in my hair!" Bats are adorable. They can be, yes. So cute. So yeah, the entire the entire movie is just him looking for looking for this great white bat to stop a war between two native tribes. Oh, there okay. is actually a, a pretty decent. I was wondering where the plot was. There is actually a pretty decent plot that he was he was hired to find this bat to stop basically the annihilation of a tribe because the tribe that the tribe that was taking care of it is basically a peaceful tribe and if the other one tribe that is basically a warmongering tribe and well they steamroll mm-hmm. and it's basically 90s antics of Jim Carrey which if that's your thing you'll definitely Jim Carrey's 90s antics were great to watch they I were I enjoyed The Mask The Mask was probably my least favorite of his 90s still not films. bad it's fair I personally liked the first Pet Detective movie a little bit more. 
At but, the time I watched it, I was like five. So the actual hard boiled stuff, which the first one was definitely the first one was definitely more detective heavy. Right. And the second one had funnier antics, I think. Right, but I mean the asshole Olio where he's singing with his butt cheeks. Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. Cornholio, yeah. No, no, asshole Olio. He's literally bending over and using his ass cheeks. He's to using talk. his cornhole, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna just move on from this conversation. I mean he's yeah. fully clothed, but I mean like, I, when I saw that that was hilarious. I don't want that image in my mind, okay? I've never been a pet detective fan. I've never Never really been a big fan of Jim Carrey in the 90s. Same. I'm not surprised. I kind of thought it was funny when I was younger, but then I, I almost grew out of it. I'm like, eh, he, okay. he kind of is one of those people that plays like the same kind of character in a lot of his movies. Same with like Jack Black. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. I mean, there are some of their movies that have come out that are different from their norm, but I'm just kind of, eh. No, and I get you. And yeah. I, I'll see that scene. I'll raise you the animatronic no. rhino. It's fair. The rhino gets that's up there. Jim Carrey. That is up there. I will say that that scene. I actually was like, that stuck with me. The rest of the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, that's it blends. Yeah. No, just, it never impressed me. Like it was like it was like another comedy that I saw, and I'm just kind of forgot. oh, absolutely. That's just it's so. a stupid comedy you put in the background, but yeah. I I still enjoy it to this day. Other than some interesting like. There's some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff for Mask, like how they do the comic style in live action. Mm. Which I think they did fairly well. Like the the weird, when he's moving, there's actually like stretching and squashing, which is a, yeah. like the cartoon stuff. I think that's really cool. But that movie even is like, I don't remember what the point of the movie was. And no. So many of them, up until like a Bruce Almighty, which is a little bit more like intelligent there there's not much going on with the 90s with jim carrey for me it's so. not really but yeah that's that's the pick i have so on to the other loser i mean wow i said other we just haven't said that yet <laughs> okay wow y'all are harsh there's that's mostly james i know wow it's okay i have four Excuse movies me. in my next slot so Okay, so... So you have one movie that's actually going to be talking about in your next slot, right? No, they're in the series. We'll get to it. Oh, Okay. So the next one I have is also more on the comedic side. It is the 2006 movie Pink Panther starring Steve Martin. Hmm. I'm a Steve Martin fan, even though he also kind of plays the same character in the movie. About to say. But, I don't know, something about him, like, it's, it's better. I think it's just because Jim Carrey... He makes so many weird faces, and they kind of creep me out. <laughs> I don't know. Steve nope. Martin, I enjoyed him in a lot of his, like, Cheer by the Dozen, or, um... Three Amigos? No, that wasn't him, was it? Sure. No, the, the... My Daughter's Wedding. That's uh, what it was called. Oh, Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride. Oh, that's that. a good one. Loved him in Father of the Bride. That one was also funny. Loved yeah. that. Yeah, so th- those kind of movies were funny. Him and Pink Panther was a little... He was a little... <sighs> What is the word? Mr. Magoo. <laughs> he was just so dumb. <laughs> he was so dumb on purpose. He was just so overzealous with it. It was funny at the time. I was in sixth grade at the time, so I thought it was funny. But it was just a kind of a... 
a detective movie with not a whole lot of actual sleuthing going on, mostly antics. Stumbling into the answers. Yeah, stumbling into the answers, stuff like that. They're looking for this uh, pink diamond that is going to be stolen. He tries to prevent it from being stolen, doesn't, doesn't work so well. But it's a nod to the actual Pink Panther, and they play the Pink Panther theme throughout the whole movie. That's, uh, how you learn Classic. how to play that on the piano? It's a fun... I can play it on the violin. It's a fun tune. Mm-hmm. I can hum it with my mouth, guys. Anyway, so, another one I Pink Panther. I can also remember the... <laughs> so, yeah. Pink Panther for me. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> okay. So, my next movie came out in 1941. It is not rated because of how early it comes out. Oh, wow. Uh, directed by John Huston. Written by... Screenplay written by John Huston. Called The Maltese Falcon. Oh, The Maltese Falcon? Not The Gay Falcon? Not The Peanut Butter Falcon? Not The Peanut Butter Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon! Shush! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, stars Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, and Peter Lorre. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's actually pretty high class. Right. So... The movie is about a detective who, sorry, a private detective who takes on a case that involves him with three eccentric criminals, a gorgeous liar, and their quest for a priceless statuette. Um, the character that Humphrey Bogart plays, one of the things that I really like about this is when Warner Brothers shot the film, uh, or rather John Huston shot the film, majority of the film was actually shot from over the shoulder of Humphrey Bogart. So the audience is actually getting to see the movie from his point of view. Mm. So third person perspective in it basically. Wow. From the 1940s. That's yeah, that's the impressive part of it. Right. Uh the other thing that also gets me about this film is the fact that Mary Astor, John Huston actually had her run around before every single shot. So that way she would have a breathless, nervous look whenever she was on scene, or in scene. That poor thing. Right, so he would have her run around for a couple of laps around the uh, the studio area, so that way she would have that breathless, nervous look. Oh, that's probably the time all women still wore heels. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's yep. awful. That is actually, it reminds me of the pains and trials of Ginger Rogers. Right. Uh, that reminds me of Kubrick. Yeah, but Houston was a lot better about things with all that. Uh, on top of that, one of the things that I find interesting is there were actually four Maltese Falcons made. Huh. There are two still in existence that are out there, and both have been valued at over a million dollars a piece. Oh, actual statues. Yeah, actual statuettes that are valued at over a million dollars a piece. And they are worth more than the actual shooting budget of the film. Adjusted for inflation, or... No. So at okay. the time, it was a million dollars each. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, they're worth a million dollars a piece. They're worth a million dollars a piece. Which is, okay. which is more than was paid for the production at which is now, we're sorry, Which is now worth more than three times what the film cost to make. Again, unadjusted for what it's yeah. worth. Yeah. A lot. Um, and then also to the the film does a really good job of showing the suspense because it's the 1940s. So the 1940s, the films coming out at the time, if there was a suspense film, 
they had this great dynamic of working with music to heighten suspense. So they couldn't do much else. Yeah, because they really didn't have a whole lot else going on with them. Their special effects weren't as advanced. They didn't have... Maybe they played with shadow. Maybe they played with a little shadow and lighting. But that's about really all they had. Yeah, was this one in color? Was it black and Black and white. Black and white. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, to think that this movie, actually, for its time, was super suspenseful, you actually had a lot going on with it. Uh, One of the characters is good friends with another one and all of a sudden this lady shows up next thing you know one of those fellers is dead and stuff's going on and it's like chaos is starting to ensue and she's like uh stuff's no this isn't right something shouldn't be going on like this and all of us are looking for the statuette statuette of this Maltese falcon thing we really want to hire this guy to help us find it and the more that this guy does more investigating, the more he realizes there's the guys that surround this woman are not nice guys in any way, shape or form. They're all like dangerous in their own way. And it's, it's a scary proposition for that, for her to be her in her position. And she doesn't have any idea about it. Okay. So you have that going on. Uh, one of the other facts that I found out about this film that I really thought was interesting. So it's the 1940s. Smoking is heavily prevalent in this, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Warner of Warner, uh, one of the Warners of the Warner Brothers uh, title uh, company actually had a problem with the amount of smoking that was going on in this film <laughs> from the lead characters that it actually caused a feud between Humphrey Bogart and Peter Lorre. Because the one Warner brother actually was like, you know, if they're smoking as much as they are, it's probably going to prompt smokers who are in the audience to get up and leave the theater so they can go smoke. Oh, I see. Which, I mean, no, but... So, we should probably not do that. We need to scale that back, and Humphrey Bogart, like, completely lost his stuff. Well, he's a chain smoker. Right, but he's just like... I'm not scaling it back at all. And Peter's just like, you should probably do what the head of the company that's paying for us to do this to, like, says. Like, the studio owner says, no, I'm not doing it. And it caused, like, this big row between the two of them. So, um, I just thought that that was an interesting fact about it. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, so it's not super long. Definitely should check it out. The cool thing for me that really came out of this movie particularly is the term MacGuffin. Yes! Yeah, that's a big one. The Falcon is one of the biggest, if not, like, the first true MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. It's that the is... first one to be definitely stamped with that label. Yeah, it, it kicks off the entire plot of the movie. Ultimately, it's not like an important... It's not like the Ark of the Covenant that does something. Ark yeah. of the Covenant, a, another big MacGuffin that... The Infinity Stones... Everyone's six MacGuffins. Yeah, everyone's chasing after Yeah, everyone's... Them. The whole plot is dictated because of the Maltese Falcon. Right. And the fact that it had been done before, but this was, like, the first big one, that now, if anyone goes to AMC, the bar is named MacGuffin because of this. So, it's one of those weird legacy things that has been carried down through Hollywood. So, one of the, one of the few things that... I've seen Maltese Falcon. I wasn't all that impressed. But... I really enjoyed it. 
uh, Humphrey Bogart's my boy. Um, yeah. I'm a big, big like, supporter of his stuff. It was good. It was just kind of like I've seen other, I had seen other movies that are newer that had done most of what Maltese Falcon did back then. And it's old hat by that point. I wasn't of the maturity level that I could understand. Oh, that did it first. And since then, it's been, it's good. It's just I prefer other. Other ways of telling. It was first. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So that brings us to you. Bring back All to right. the void. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, this is a void. Um, I'm going to go with the series because it's it's a series of right now four movies are continuing it, but it's a Danish series called Department Q. Oh, this sounds happiness. Mm. It's following detectives Carl. I'm going to butcher this name. It has an O with a line through it, so if anyone knows how to pronounce that. <laughs> but Carl Mork, or me, I think it's Mjork, and his partner Assad, uh, they are detectives in Copenhagen, at least in the first one, and then they've changed throughout. They're based on based on a set of novels uh, by a guy. The Hardy Boys. You see Adler Olsen. The Bjorn Boys. <laughs> but the movies are... From 2013, The Keeper of Lost Causes. From 2014, The Absent One. From 2016, Conspiracy of Faith, which is the movie that I watched this week. Um, and 2019, okay, I'm seeing it later this month, A Purity of Vengeance. Wow, this is a recent series. It is a currently running series, and it's it's one that has gained a little bit of like notoriety. Just because it's so well made, these are on par with any, like, it's on par with uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which I, I okay. mentioned is kind of a detective-ish series, but I mentioned it last week with um, Elizabeth Slander and, and remakes as well. But Keeper of Lost Causes, they go after, they're put in charge of, like, searching cold cases, which is what okay. Department Q is, are cold cases. Interesting. Um... And they... Because Sweden. Okay. Yeah. uh, Denmark. Because Sweden. (laughs) But the first one is about becoming involved in a five-year-old case concerning the mystery of a politician. um, Disappearance. Journey that takes them into an undercurrent of abuse and malice and lurks beneath the polished surfaces of Scandinavia. So you get that really cold Swedish, yeah, Swedish and Danish and Finnish feeling to it, but ultimately the peop- the culprit is putting people on a pressure tank. Oh, crap. And slowly turning up the pressure. It's like, oof, mm, man. Okay. That, that's, not a, that's not a happy No, not at all. This series is not happy. The second one, which I I actually didn't know that the absent one existed, which is very convenient for the name, but uh, <laughs> it's about the uh, cold case is two dead twins, murder of young twins, that then snowballs from there, and they figure out that I think someone is like kidnapping twins, something like that. But I'm not positive, so I can't say much about the absent one. It'll remain absent. And the one I watched this week, Conspiracy of Faith. Uh, the cold case itself is that they found a note, you know, or a letter in a bottle, written in blood. Oh, and yeah, now they bring in uh, they bring in Carl, and they bring in. Um, bringing Assad, and they find out that it's written in blood. It's a children's handwriting. 
and that the person was in like a boathouse somewhere on the water. And it kind of turns out that it's the it's a preacher that is going to Jehovah's Witness <laughs> and taking the children and then ransoming off the children back to the back to the parents, but it's will kill one of or like drown one of the children and give back the other one and say they were not the true faith. Thank you for your donation. And then just move on. Oh it's fun. Like, oh wow. And it's uh, all about like if they don't pay the percent. ransom, they just kill both and he moves on and say that you're not the true faith and the people usually don't say anything because they're like the religious nut jobs and who would they tell on their their preacher and it's like holy crap. Corrupt church official. Whoa. But it's it's easy to it's easy to go with and yeah. Very scary sometimes. It is. The movie was unbelievably well done. And I wish it was one that was at the film festival a few years ago and I just couldn't get to it with the schedule that I had. Uh but I absolutely loved it. Uh has one of the coolest locations, which is a skinny little bridge, barely above sea level, like an inch above sea level. Um, going all the way out to the middle of this lake with this boathouse. Oh, man, no. And, like, depending on the tide, the bridge disappears, so you don't even know this house is out here. And it, like, starts waterlogging this house, which is missing floor tiles, but at a cage down underneath it. And it's just like, oh, that is really interesting. But when you actually get into the, the building, it's like, that is disturbing. So, <laughs> but... That seems like that would be disturbing. It is. The villain takes, like, exception with Carl and is, you, you didn't, you took my ransom. I am going to put you in my house. And then spends the rest of the, the mystery, like, looking and plotting how to get the detective into his little boathouse. And he succeeds. And then Assad, the partner, has to go and find it. It's It's a really, really good mystery. And uh, Purity of Vengeance that I'm seeing in a couple weeks at the film festival. Uh, they find three mummified bodies in an attic. Oh, okay. All sitting around like a poker table. Chris. And it's all like what happened here and they find out that there's other ones similar. And it, it, looks, it looks really, really good. And it's one of the top up there with Peanut Butter Falcon uh, this year on my favorite <laughs> movies. Enthusiastically. I know, because it's such a weird title. And it's, I have, like, if, I am never going to be able to guess this. Like, if I was doing the whole name association, I'd never guess what the actual movie's about just from that title. So, out of quick curiosity, who do you think of the three of us might get that? I think by then, Tom might at least know who's in it and might, like, Oh, okay, so that might be it. But otherwise, I don't think anyone's going to get close to it. Fair enough. No, honestly, you're talking about the three mummies in the attic. I can just see that being a poker night. It's like, Bjorn, Bjorn, you have the big blind. Oh, son of a... I fold, the whole body falls over. (laughs) (laughs) The the Department Q series is such a, like... It's one of those that I kind of stumbled on, and it's just very quickly becoming one of my favorite series because it's just such a they take mysteries and don't water them down they're very much like seven and memento and some of these other explore the darker aspects yeah very much like uh the original dragon tattoo the sequels kind of went more focused on characters these ones are the characters are there 
but they're focusing on the stories. So they're like True Detective, which I wish we could talk about here, but there's another series that oof, that goes weird. So, but yeah, that's my number two, uh, the Tar- Department Q series coming out of Denmark. Thank you, Denmark. I'll have nightmares for years. Yeah, pretty much. Pressure chamber. That's the one that gets me because I I know what happens with the changing pressure. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah, they show it. All I can think of is Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. All right, though. <laughs> to uh, fish us out of the void again. <laughs> what I like darker. Mysteries. And apparently the only defective one, detective, defective, detective ones I've seen are more uh, comedic, <laughs> which I don't know what that says about me. The last one's comedic, but in a wrong way. I'll take it. Yeah. We'll go into the black hole instead of the void. I'll take it. Mm. But shut up. Let me dream. The last one I'm going to talk about is an 88 film, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That was 88? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's... It's an older one. It holds up for being 1988. Oh, yeah. Robert Zemeckis, if I remember correctly. Yes, directed by Robert Zemeckis, produced by Frank Marshall and Robert Watts, and written by Jeffrey Price and Peter S. Seaman. We're all adults. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Seaman. Loosely based on Jerry K. Wolf's 81 novel, Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Hmm. It stars Bob Hoskins, Christopher Lloyd, that's the second Christopher Lloyd one I said, Charles Fleischer, Stubby K, yeah, that is, and Joanna Cassidy. Talking about older movies. Set in Hollywood in 1947. Where cartoon characters and people coexist, it follows Eddie Valiant, Bob Hoskins, a private detective who must exonerate Toon, hmm. cartoon character, Roger Rabbit, who is accused of murdering a wealthy businessman. I love this movie. It is so great. Such a good movie. And the thing that always sticks out to me about it is... Well, one of the characters, but I'll get into that. Mm, uh, character. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Valiant is a man who he's that he's that stereotypical down on his luck private investigator, and the thing is because of something that happens in his past, which does get explored, he hates tombs. All right. Yep. And the biggest thing that stands out to me is Christopher Lloyd's character, Judge Doom. Jeez, I forgot how on the nose all these names are. Judge Doom. Eddie Valiant. Yeah. Judge Doom. I just forgot, like, it was one of those movies that I've, I've seen it relatively recently. Caught it on TV or whatever, but I forgot just how, like, how on the nose everything is. The tip of that, yeah. And just all the animation, I think, still holds up. Yeah, well, because you have just, you have the, the original characters, like Roger Rabbit, the taxi cab. Yeah, which thinking back, they they filmed that extraordinarily well for Rob Hoskins not sitting in a cab, right? <laughs> but you also, yeah, and Jessica Rabbit, which I mean, every young boy probably knew at that point. But yeah, I'm not bad. Yeah. I'm just drawn that way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's a great line. But you also have you also have established cartoon characters. You had Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny show up in it. Yes. 
Oh. Which is which is kind of weird. They Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny showing up while Bob Hoskins is basically uh, unrestricted parachute jumping, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and they actually take the time to screw with him. It's it's weird going back and seeing that, especially with what Disney and Warner Brothers have come to lately. Right. And it wasn't even that long ago. That's the thing that's messed up. Like you say, you were surprised. You were surprised how long ago it was, but that's barely thirty years. Oh yeah, I know. I'm... Yeah, but there are movies that have been made since then that don't hold up nearly as well. No, and that's kind of the amazing part. To me, one of the the most impressive parts is Roger. Uh, yeah, the rabbit interacting with the live action people. It doesn't feel as good as Gollum interacting with the hobbits. There's only a, the only time I ever thought it was off was when uh, Eddie has to grab him around the neck. Even that, it still worked. No, but like tugging on jackets and that kind of stuff. It's as good as the way they do the motion capture and all that for Lord of the Rings, hmm. and that that does it unbelievably well. Nowadays, it, it looks perfect, but like for the technology, yep. the eighties, wow, yeah, it it brought a renewed interest in the golden age of American animation, spearheading the Disney Renaissance hmm. because it was because that's what it is. Disney Pictures purchased the film rights for that film story in 81. Hmm. So basically, shortly after it, the book came out. And it won three Academy Awards. Best Film Editing, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects, which it deserved. And received a Special Achievement Academy Award for its animation direction by Williams. Uh, very good which Richard Williams the Canadian animator who was hired to supervise the animation sequences and man did he earn his paycheck yeah it, oh wow in 2016 it was selected for the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally historically or aesthetically significant and I can't say they're wrong oh yeah but it as much as I want to say, like, that's the only movie that should be in there by that director, there's a few others, because he it's the same director as Back to the Future and Forrest Gump. Oh, mm. Forrest Gump. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Although, hilariously enough, Who <laughs> Framed Roger Rabbit also marks the first time that Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny officially appeared on screen together. So, two quick stories about how that went. So every frame of the movie, which featured a mixture of animation and live action, had to be printed up as a still photo. An animator would then draw the particular illustration for the frame in tracing paper set on top of the photo. The outline drawing then had to be hand-colored. Once that was done, the drawing was then composited back uh, into the original frame using an optical printer. Fancy schmancy. Right. And second of all, after the movie came out for two weeks, Bob Hoskins' son wouldn't talk to him. Finally, Bob asked his son why he wasn't talking to him, and he says, I can't believe that you wouldn't uh, work with such big uh, cartoon characters as Bugs Bunny and Mo- Mickey Mouse and not let me meet them. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. kind of cute. Aww. Yeah. The whole, on another vein, hilariously enough, the, the movie actually had a bit of controversy when it came to Laserdisc DVDs because some of the... Uh, some of the cells that the animators popped in for a brief second, which doesn't show up on film, shows up when you can pause and go 
go yeah. cell by cell, frame That's by frame. It's underwear. Anyway. Underwear or, well, lack thereof. Yeah, when they crash the taxi. I've heard that story. Yeah, uh, yeah. the baby it's character. Yeah, it's Well, when Bob, when they finished the movie, Bob Haskins had no idea what Jessica Rabbit actually looked like. Because they didn't finish it until post. That's so he was told by Zemeckis, just picture the most, uh, the woman, the, the your ideal sexual fantasy. And he's like, at full, full disclosure, Bob was like, yeah, I didn't picture anything quite as risque. Mm-hmm. That's funny. No, yeah. they 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 definitely earned probably a higher rating because of Jessica Rabbit alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a great film. It like you said, Deb, and it still holds up today, both animation and honestly story wise. Easily one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Oh yeah, it still to this day, it's still one of my favorites. It's a good one. Doom Freak crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. The character himself, and then the later twist. on freaked the crap out of me. Yeah. yeah, that twist. Oh my god. Yep. Okay, so to pull us away from the cutesy, I'm going to go back into the void. Cutesy ish. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's a lot of dark stuff in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. There is, but. <laughs> Someone else is going to the void. I love that movie. It's it's H.P. Lovecraft, okay, and it's no, terrible. No, no, no. Okay. okay, so I'm going to go with a. Technically, the person in the film is a U.S. Marshal, but it's a detective story. So, it is Leo DiCaprio. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, playing a U.S. Marshal. 2010 film, Shutter Island. Fantastic film. I loved it. And it's one of those movies that you have to pay attention to what's happening, otherwise you're not really going to be as wowed by the twist at the end. If you haven't seen it, don't Google it. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm I was. Gonna, I'm gonna hazard you're not gonna go too deep into the actual. I'm gonna try my best to not go too deep. Second half of that movie's off limits. Yeah. So yeah. this this movie's about a U.S. marshal trying to figure out what happened to a woman on an asylum on an island, hence Shutter Island, and this woman seems to have completely disappeared. There's weird clues around her room, and there's so many little things that end up getting pulled together very beautifully at the end of the film. Leo did a fantastic job in this. One of my favorite movies with him in it. So definitely worth the watch, but unfortunately I can't talk about it a whole lot because of the ending. Yeah. So really, really great detective film. I wish I could talk about it more, but if you haven't seen it, Definitely go watch. I would definitely say DiCaprio is pretty solid as an actor. So is Michael Pena, mm-hmm. who plays his partner. Yes, oh God, he was in this. Yeah, Michael Pena and uh, that, DiCaprio. They're is it Mark Ruffalo? Who's the other one? In Mark. This? It's Mark sorry, Ruffalo. Not, yeah. I'm sorry. It's Mark Ruffalo who's his partner. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yep. Not Michael like, Pena. I thought Ruffalo was in here. But I apologize. You're right. It's Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Yeah. The Hulk but was in Shutter Island too. Yeah. Ruffalo and DiCaprio. Their play off of each other is fantastic. Quite well, good. Ruffalo is also pretty good. Ruffalo is amazing. Although Michael Pena, as a side note, is a really good actor. <laughs> Just not in Just this not movie. In this movie. <laughs> yeah. He he's like a he's he's like a limp fish. It's almost like he's not there. Right. This whole movie's actually just an Ant-Man flashback with him telling the story and <laughs> you watch it in a certain speed, it's just Michael Pena's voice. It's weird. <laughs> right. 
So I, I met this guy, right? And he was just telling me about this thing. And I was like, okay, Michael Pena. I genuinely like uh, Shutter Island. It's one of those that, I'll be honest, I've seen, but I confuse it with Cure for Wellness. Mm-hmm. That Very similar veins. The one with Zane DeHaan. Oh, I'm like, I'm not really sure why. Like, they, they have similar feelings, but, or like similar themes and everything, but I'm like, why... One was just so much better than the other. <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie. I confused this one with the Johnny Depp, like, writer. Oh, Secret Window? Yeah, I confuse it with that. Most important part of the story is the ending. Yep. Yep. Boom, I know that movie. Good. Yeah. No, this one I really liked, but I can see where you're talking about with Cure for Wellness. Yeah. This one's darker than Cure for Wellness. It's quite dark. Cure for Wellness has, the, has moments. Cure for Wellness has the weird, like... Everyone's a lizard person at the end. And I'm like, that came out of nowhere. Snake people. No. It, it gets to a point where it all of a sudden they worship jumps snakes. It, it jumps they its worship, own shark. They worship Whereas snakes. Shutter Island is not. Yeah, not yeah definitely not anything uh, to do with yeah. snakes. Yeah. Not so much snakes. Eels. Eels. Eels, yeah. Eels. Yeah, These weird right. eel things that they found in the wall that survived. No, that's... That's not the twist Shutter no, Island has. No. Mine to go into it's definitely not no. that. No, that's Shutter more Island. Prometheus. Shutter Island is uh, Scorsese, right? Uh, yeah, Scorsese. I believe it's Martin Scorsese. So, I believe so. Like, I go on a lot about how directors make a movie. This one shows. So, like, yeah. yeah another and one Scorsese was uh, and Scorsese and DiCaprio were. Yeah, Martin oh, Scorsese. Yeah. Scorsese and DiCaprio are phenomenal together. Emily Mortimer does an amazing job in this, as well as Ben Kingsley. Oh, Kingsley's is Kingsley the warden. Kingsley is the warden. Oh, that's a good fit. Um, the the two doctors, Doctor Colley and Doctor Nearing. Uh, Nearing is played by Max von Sydow. Jeez, I forgot. Uh, And uh, Ben Kingsley uh, plays the other doctor. So you have the two of them. Kingsley is the one who's basically the face for all of this. And then you have Nearing, who, or uh, Dr. Colley Kingsley, uh, who's basically the face. He's the one who kind of like first meets him and everything like that. And then you have Nearing, whose idea most of this has been for how everything plays out for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in other words, you'd recommend it. Generally. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, so, I'm, I'm on, I just Googled the film just to confirm it was Martin Scorsese, and I found that. On IMDb, the film has an 8.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 68. Metacritic, it has a 63. And then 94% of Google users like this movie. Yeah, I don't... I'm, I'm very yeah, confused about all that. I don't really... But, like, Rotten Tomatoes is kind of meh. I'm gonna go with the IMDb and do... Like, it's definitely an 8 out of 10 for me. I usually sure. side with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but I, I would swing up 7 or 8 for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the reason you do that is because you're more in line with what the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. A lot of the reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes are the cinematography. They're trained in the production. Yeah. So that's why they have a separate critic rating and then audience rating. It didn't say which one was. Also, audience rating. I've learned not to look at that because no. Oh, I don't like Brie Larson. Hey, Captain Marvel. You seen it? Nope. Gave it a one. Oh, okay. Well, good for you. Yeah. Not fair. That that kind of stuff is. That's why I don't really look at user reviews for a lot of things anymore. Emily yeah. Mortimer does a great job in this film too. She plays uh, Rachel One, because yeah, yeah, all right reasons. But she, if you haven't seen it, she's in also Newsroom, which is a fantastic TV show. Yeah. Definitely, we'll eventually get to like really good TV and really good writing. Yeah, 
Because newsroom would be up there. Yeah. So my number three uh, came out in 2005. Finally, this this well, century, man. Yeah. 2005, rated R, directed by directed and written by Ryan Johnson. Brick stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lucas Haas, and Emily DeRaven. Or DeRaven. Claire. Yes. Not pregnant Claire. Don't. Yes, non-pregnant Claire from Lost. Don't know anything about this one. So, with this one, it's about a uh, young man who is in high school who is investigating uh, the underworld of high school crime... Uh, a high school crime ring to investigate the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend. Oh, okay. And We're not going out of the void again, are we? Not really. I mean... This one's not as dark as it could have been. It's not as dark as it could have been, although there are points where it gets pretty darn dark, especially when you find out the twist at the end of the film. And I just... That being said, this follows the whole idea of the detective calling into somebody who is like his ace in the hole for information, going back to them constantly, and then literally chasing down leads. The guy. It's like, I know a guy, and this is the guy. Well, in this one, he's referred to as the brain. Is there a pinky? No. Damn it! (laughs) Uh, he got referred the to as the brain. My joke. Uh, on Ryan Johnson's website, it's actually in the forums. It's actually somebody's theory is that brain actually exists only in the mind of Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, hmm. and it's never been confirmed for or against by Ryan Johnson, other than the fact that it's his favorite theory that's ever been proposed on that website for this movie, and. The brain is constantly coming up with information about where people are, who's been having lunch with who, where he can find people, that kind of thing. Interesting. Right. And there's a character, Tug, who's this thug Uh, who works for the pin, the kingpin, who is selling bricks of... Cocaine. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say cocaine. And the whole idea is is his ex-girlfriend has gone missing... Don't know what happened to her. It's the ex-girlfriend. Why do we care? Because he's still in love with her. Ah. Oh. And even if he's not still in love with her, like, he still cares about her as a friend. Mm-hmm. And she got in with the wrong crowd mm-hmm. and has gone missing. In addition to that, he's come to find out that, randomly, a brick has gone missing. Hmm. And he's now working for the pin at some point to try to track down this brick and find out what happened to it. Up the bum. <laughs> for a brick? Really yeah, oh, I know. I know exactly how big a brick is, my friend. Oh my there gosh. are legals in my bottom. What's wrong with you, Mason? <laughs> so tense. Very tense at points. The the thing that gets me about this movie every time is the dialogue. The dialogue for this film is super rapid transactions between people for the most part, and very quick witted. So it has the feel of that 1940s lingo of... Yeah, shame, yeah. Not so much that, okay, because it's not Cagney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's not James Cagney. But it's the idea of, like, uh, I can't trust you. Why? Because I have to keep both... Uh, 
I'd have to keep both eyes on you, and I can't, uh, uh, I'd have to keep both eyes on you, and I have to keep an eye on this, but I can't spare one. You know, that kind of thing, and it's this constant back and forth, and, you know. It's a lack of trust. Yeah, there's a whole lack of trust between characters, and this love triangle thing that's been going on, and the guy, the girl, the cocaine. I mean, well, there's that, and then there's, like, it plays with the whole hierarchy of the high school. Of, like, the jocks and the theater people and the preps and that kind of thing. And he's a loner, so he doesn't fit in with any of these people. And there's the trendy Asians and the cool Asians. No, no, no Asians in this one. <laughs> it's not Mean it's Girls. Not, it's not Mean Girls, yeah. nor is it Glee. Um, <laughs> then there's the pack mules. They can fit a lot of bricks in themselves. Close. No. Uh, <laughs> Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> right. So... Overall, I really enjoy this. Joseph Gordon-Levitt knocks it out of the park with this. Yeah, he's he another really solid does. one. He really does a great job. Lucas Haas does a favorite. Ryan Johnson, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. I will. I will also say I've noticed the trend is that the the really good ones, the one that sticks with you, they tend to have solid actors at the helm. Right. Um. If you don't know what Lucas Haas has also been in, he's been in Witness, Inception. Was. Uh, what was I remember which one Lucas Haas is? Lucas Haas plays the pen. Yeah, I still have to with the that. club foot. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was thinking Lucas Hedges, and I'm like, nah, little Joey with the gimpy leg. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Bony Bob, Cliff. <laughs> I swear, yeah. it's a lie. You're gonna get your low down. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah. Uh, he was also in Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, wow. There are other people yeah. in that movie. Yeah, there are other people. There's also Tom Hardy. I thought it was yeah. just DiCaprio and a bear. Right. DiCaprio, Hardy, and a bear. For man, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like Crimson Man, but it works out good for the guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know about good. It works out better for the guy. <laughs> True. <laughs> Slightly better. But, yeah. And uh, Emily DeRaven, or Raven, she played on the TV show Lost. It's the only big credit that I can name her from offhand. She's been in a few other things, but yeah, she hasn't done a whole lot. Yeah. And in the TV show Wit- or Movie Witness with Harrison Ford, he was the little boy, the little Amish boy. <laughs> wow. Back in the 1980s. You're welcome, everybody. So, yeah, that's my number three. I, I highly, highly recommend people going out and seeing Brick. Yeah, I, I, I love Ryan Johnson, so... Let me guess your number one is Jumper? Looper, no, Looper rather. Why, favorite I don't know why I Brian Johnson movie is Looper. I don't know why I said Jumper. I, oh, Looper. Jumper's a different story. <laughs> it's a completely different story. There's yeah, Anna, Jamie Bell. Yeah, Looper. Looper's the Bruce Willis one, right? Yes. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, because Jumper is Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Where they changed up uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's look to look like mm-hmm. a young Bruce Willis. Yeah. Just such a subtle and well-done... I'm I'm a fan of Ryan Johnson for sure. Yeah, I hope he gets to do more after. Yeah, me too. Uh, Knives Out should be cool. So yeah, we'll see. So back to the void. Not so much. Oh, yay! Kind of. The main character is a serial killer. So just the edge of the void. Uh, Let's enter the void. Ah, damn it! (laughs) I could throw my fishing rod. So. My next one's kind of a two-parter because it's like a, a part one, part two type thing. But it's cheater. Part two part of this two parts, no way. Cheater. <laughs> it's a 2006 movie with the sequel that also came out in 2006, uh, Death Note. Oh, okay. Woo-hoo. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Heck yeah. The the sequel, just named Death Note 2, came out the same year, and it was like a part one, part two. Death Note 2 and Death Note Harder. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> but, Death Note 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Death Note's about, it's a Jap- this one is the Japanese movie, not the... Garbage American Netflix version. What she said. Um, <laughs> exactly. It came out this past year. Uh, 2006 movie uh, starring Tatsuya Fujiwara, who's in Battle Royale, yeah. a guy named Kenichi Matsuyama, who I absolutely love in, if I remember correctly, uh, it was Norwegian Wood, something like that. He's in some really weirdly named movies. Sounds kinky. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Sounds Matsuyama. pretty hard to watch. Yeah. Tanichi Matsuyama, or Kenichi Matsuyama, is plays a character named L, which is what I'm going to focus on more for this whole detective thing because he's young, brilliant detective. That right. starts, I always forget yeah. who is named what. Yeah, that starts looking into the murders or the deaths of criminals that die of heart attacks in various other ways. Uh, the overall story is a character named Light Yagami. Gets a notebook that you literally write someone's name in, and they die. I think it's ninety seconds later. If you yeah, if you write nothing, they die of a heart attack. But Correct. you can specify. Yeah, you can start specifying. Shoots himself in the face. Walks into traffic. You can you can get some messed up stuff actually. And Various is, other requirements as well. Yeah, this is based on an anime that's based on a manga, and I have all of it. <laughs> Uh, Why you that much, nerd? I I'll shut up. I absolutely love Death Note. I think it's one of those the the anime kind of overhams it, but the manga is just brilliant. Uh, there's been like spinoff everything for the right. series. It's been a white dog. It, yeah. They did get banned. I know the anime. I don't know about the manga. The anime got banned in China. Yep. Because Big people surprise. people were making their own death notes and writing down like classmates' names and things like that. Like, you yeah. know, we, we probably shouldn't show Officials. us anymore. There yeah. may or may not be a death note in my car, literally, that I got with this DVD. So Yeah. Yeah. But um it, the way the movies uh part one kinda ends almost cliffhangery. You can tell that they like knew they were making another movie. And then they introduce Light's groupie slash girlfriend uh, Misa Amane in the next. The most annoying character. I hate Misa Misa. Yeah. But uh, she's at least better in the movies than she is. Well, no, she's she's better in the in the the mang- manga and anime. Where you can't hear her voice. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And she's at least somewhat intelligent, whereas in this she's more like a figurehead. But <laughs> it's one of those that I love the. The mental power play between their dynamic and light is quite good, yeah. And I won't give away what happens in the movies because the movies and the anime are slightly different. But when L is no longer in the story in the anime, it just kind of slides and it, yep. it starts degrading. They introduce a couple new characters named Nier and Mellow, which try to take over the, the role, but. It, it just was doesn't such an interest. Well, without the, the without the flip side where you've got the detective trying to figure out what's going on, you've literally got just the basic premise where a narcissistic jackass kills people At because he point, thinks they deserve to he die. Becomes a, he becomes a god and he admits that he, he's become the god, like a Shinigami. And there's a whole storyline with a Shinigami that's <coughs> following like Yagami around. Who enjoys apples. Ryu. Who enjoys apples. Yes. Yeah, Ryu. And then there's another one that's following Misa Amane around named Rem, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it 
the mythology of this the series is really good in the anime and then the manga. Not so much in the movies, but mm. I absolutely love Light and Elle's storyline in the movies. So You're constantly trying to figure out what the other person's doing, and it's so awesome to watch. You're on the edge of your seat the entire time. It's like watching a chess game. Yes, where... like a speed chess game. Yeah. For me, it's like watching a chess... It's like me watching a chess game where the two players uh, are about five steps ahead of you, and even if you know what you're doing... Well, for me, it's if they were... You, they're telling you where they want the pieces, telling somebody where they want the pieces moved, but they're blindfolded, so they have no idea where the other person's moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, good yeah. analogy. And if you couldn't, if you couldn't tell from my uh, little description earlier, I'm not the biggest fan of it. The premise kind of turned me off just because of the personality yeah. of the of niche character, and that's yeah. that's all I'll say on it. Light is not an easy like he. He's not at a lot of character. No. At the, he's really not. At the beginning, he's the hero. Like, he's killing villains he and he's killing he's evil people. He's killing, like, serial killers. Like, Ted Bundy, he randomly kills. He kills, like, a bunch of these like, terrible people. evil people. But then one person pisses him off and he writes him in the note and kills him. And then he's like, oh, oh, am I, oh, that's what I'm doing. Isn't, isn't there at some point in the manga or the anime, there's also mention of an eraser that brings people back to life? Not in the manga or anime. Oh, I feel like I've read that somewhere. Am I been? That like, is in one of the fan fiction. Oh, okay, the spinoff. That's a yeah, fan that's fiction fun. you read. I mean, probably. What? That sounds like a fan fiction idea for that. There's a fan fiction light loves L. It's weird. No, we're not going there. We're not going no, there. Gross. <laughs> Yowie. Yeah. Gross. But yeah, the not I absolutely that. love the series. And really not. L is one of the most interesting characters. To me, like this character that he's so eccentric and strange. He just loves sweets. He's it's just a he really always interesting sits role. in a chair the weirdest way, mm-hmm. very uncomfortably. Should have been the main character. I mean, uh, they actually made one called "El Change the World," where he's the main character. It's pretty good. It's sitting in a DVD behind me, but <laughs> it doesn't have the compliment character. Mm. Like you can have the most interesting. You can have the most interesting Sherlock Holmes, Poirot, you know, Inspector Clouseau character, but if there's not an interesting villain opponent for him, it falls. Well, that's how that's how it always is. It's like your yeah. story is only as inter- interesting as your as your villain. And in this, they the frame L as the villain, yeah. mm. and that's what makes this kind of a really interesting take: is that L is the villain, Light is the hero, but at the same time, Light is just mass murdering people. And saying he's doing good because he's killing villains. And it's like, well, not really. Just a giant question of morality there. Even though they did these horrible things, should you be the one in charge of whether they live or die? Yeah. Yeah. Are you you judge, jury, and executioner? Right. And again, that's just... That's where I absolutely love the morality, but the movies don't go into it nearly as much as the anime. Right. Yeah, the philosophical questions that this brings up are pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's the American version, which... We don't talk about. No. Has we like, don't talk about. It has we two don't talk cool about. scenes. We don't That's talk about it. Devin. Willem Dafoe is, again, saving saving anime. He's not because you can't see him. <laughs> you see the same quality animation from the 2006 movie as you do in this. Oh, that's sad. So, that's a problem. That's, that's a huge problem. That's sad. Because Ryu is not that well animated. And in the the Netflix version, he's still not that well animated. It's almost as if they just were like, 
So, guys, do you happen to have the renderings for those? Oh, you do? Cool. Can we get those? Awesome. Hey, guys, I got the renderings. We can save our money. Just, hey, man, can I copy your different, Just make them a little bigger. Yeah, can, oh. can I borrow your homework? Okay, I just changed it up a little bit. It's like, you didn't even change it at all, you He speaks English now, and he still eats apples. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I absolutely love Death Note. It's my favorite... One of my favorite animes up there with Code Geass. So. Yo. Yeah. I never even Lelouch. saw that one, actually. Also a douchebag, but really good character. Again, very similar to Light when you think yes. about it. So. Oh, but right. I never saw yeah. I never saw Code Geass. It's good. Uh, so anyway, my, my top three were... What did I end up with? Because <laughs> Prisoners, <laughs> the Department Q Trilogy... I kept changing them. Prisoners, the Department Q Trilogy, and Death Note. You mean quadrilogy? What? I keep forgetting that the absent one is the thing. All right. So mine <laughs> were Brick, the Maltese Falcon, and the Untouchables. And I had the Sherlock Holmes series, Pink Panther, and Shutter Island. I had happiness. <laughs> <laughs> is that the thing with the phantom horse? Happiness. <laughs> Clue, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, and <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Cool. All right. Happiness. And we'll be right back. All right. Moving on. Let's go into Gen Ed. Hello. It's me, Jenny, back for Gen Ed. So this week, I asked the guys to give me a nice G-rated movie, mostly to get over what I watched in Parasite Eve, but because I wanted to have a nice time, nice, easy, gentle movie. And that's what I got with Babes in Toyland, starring... Drew Barrymore, baby Drew Barrymore, adorable, baby Keanu Reeves, more adorable, and this guy named Googie Gress, and I can't, I can't take his name seriously. What? His name is Googie Gress. It's in the pre-credits. It's on IMDb. I went to Google him because I thought I knew his name, and it's, it says Googie Gress. So, he plays uh, Georgie. So, I had to watch the movie on YouTube. But instead of 360p, we're up to 420p. <gasps> That's more, more than they had when it originally came out. Yeah, so moving up in the world. But this is just a cute little movie. I think if I had watched it when I was a child, I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, that's in something. <laughs> right. It's a really nice Christmas story. It wasn't straight up about santa claus and the elves it kind of went in a little bit of a different direction they didn't mention santa claus in there with the toy maker but it's mostly like mother goose rhymes and things like that like they had mother hubbard and all of her children and jack b nimble and jack and jill and all the different jacks georgie 4g georgie 4g by the way every time they said georgie all i can think of is pennywise saying hi georgie I haven't even seen the movie, and I know that much. <laughs> so, Hello, Georgie. Every time they said Georgie, I was, ooh, I had, like, little chills, because that's all I could think of was Pennywise. So, Drew Barrymore gets a sled, and her sister's working in this store, and she runs to the store to tell her there's a giant storm coming, and they need to go home right away. They end up leaving the store after a confrontation with the sister's manager, who is Blade Jerk, and there was a slight reference to some sexism, some misogyny, so I was interested because this movie's rated G. 
Also the 90s? It's also the 90s, so it's kind of... Okay. 90s? I thought it was late 80s. Uh, 87? Close enough. In a point where... uh, 86. It was the year I was born. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's 33 years old, guys. Yeah. 15 years before Matrix. So anyway, yeah. So... There was a little bit of that, so I was like, okay, interesting for G-Film, but maybe, you know, kids wouldn't catch something like that, whatever. Then they, on their way home, Lisa, Drew Barrymore's character, sitting on the sled her sister purchased for her, when they hit a bump, and she goes flying out of the back of the Jeep and hits a tree. (laughs) And let me tell you what, when I was little, I would go sledding down a hill with my best friend, and there was this tiny trail where there were no trees, down this hill, and both sides were covered, so it was a major concern that neither of us hit our heads while sledding and ran into a tree. Been there. Clothesline in the face. Yep. Ouch. So then she gets transported to Toyland, and she seems totally fine with that. Doesn't question it. She's like, okay, cool, let's do it. Come up. Come up. Yeah. Come up. So... It's it's a cute little story, you know, <laughs> classic children's tale, bad guys, good guys, clearly drawn out. The best part of this movie was seeing young Keanu Reeves. Just because of the person he is now, people are ogling over him, and he's transformed from this really sweet hero character, romance-type character, to essentially badass- with all of his movies, you know, He's from The Matrix to Constantine to John Wick. John Wick, all the new things we've seen him in, all of those kind of things. This is a very different role for him, and it was adorable. I loved it. Well, so to be fair, this predates Bill and Ted. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. it predate? I thought it was like a year or two years. Years. No, no. So That's it predates one. Bill and Ted. Uh, I just had it. Give me a second. <laughs> you keep talking. I'll come back to it. But uh, the big thing is, it's the fact that he does a lot of this stuff because he's one of those ones that does a lot of independent films. Mm-hmm. Knock, knock. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no. So, but so it's interesting that he, the big things that he does that he does do for the uh, for big theatrical reasons are actually the action stuff. Three years before. Three years. Before. Three years before. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He was actually in Parenthood uh, in '89 as well. Wow. Hmm. That's a movie I haven't heard about in a long while. Yeah. Yeah, but I thought that was after he flipped. I thought Babe and Babes and Toyland was after Bill and Ted. Okay. So all in all, cute G movie, adorable, enjoyed it. Cleansed you. Cleansed me of all my sins. And <laughs> you mean my sin. <laughs> at the end of the movie, you know, she wakes up and her mom is like freaking out, like, oh, you hit your head, and I'm like why in the hell didn't you take this kid to the hospital? She's just, like, laying on the couch but next to the Christmas tree, and she's like, Mom, I had this dream? And they're like, oh, that's so nice. Not, she probably has a concussion. None of that. It's the 80s. They didn't care. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. She's you probably head, you'll fine. Drink some alcohol. Fine. Walk so, it off, kid. <laughs> yeah. Drink some whiskey. Actually, she was at the age of nine, 11. Mm-hmm. In Germany. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... Legal um, over there. That was my review for Babe in Toyland. Okay. Cute. Probably wouldn't watch again. <laughs> like I said, if if I would have watched this as a child, I think I would have enjoyed it. Just because of how much Drew, Bar- Drew Barrymore's character was very heroic. And that's a really big step in, you know, women-led movies. Even though she was only 11. So, good movie. 
<laughs> Next so, one to watch, Labyrinth. No, I don't like either of those narrations. And, 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 David, and David Bowie's Magical Copies. That grows. So next we're going off. to NC-17 to go the opposite direction. No, 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 no. Blue is a woman's color. No, 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 no. Oh, man, you stole mine. Next. <laughs> next. Showgirls it is. I would like... <laughs> the censored version. Okay, so next we're going to do my favorite genre of movies, which is... Drama. Comedies. Dramedy, got it. Comedies. We're acting like we don't already know this. Right. So I love a good comedy. If it makes me laugh, I like it. You don't have to try very hard. It's I like. Oh, thank God! Boom, I like done. stupid, stupid comedy like Napoleon Dynamite, things like that. I have got the one for you. I, I like you know rom coms are fine, dramedies are okay, but just just pure comedy. What would so, you say your favorite comedy of all time is that you've seen? Not one that I haven't seen? What do you mean? Her favorite, comedy sure. she hasn't, her favorite comedy she hasn't seen. Wow. Well, what's your favorite comedy you haven't seen already? <laughs> okay. So my favorite comedy, just because of the first time I watched it, it doesn't really have good rewatchability value, <laughs> but it was The Hangover. Just because of all the crazy shit that was going on, every yeah. every turn was just, I had no idea where it was going. It was so funny. Watching Ken Jong nakedly pop out of a trunk. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, first time through that movie's a treat. Oh, loved it. it. Fantastic. It doesn't really hold up on multiple viewings. No, right, like I said, rewatchability, not there. Still two was decent. I, I, I will yeah. admit, I actually really did enjoy two. Three so, was pretty good. So yeah. I think it was in the it was in the trailer. But it was definitely one of the funnier parts of the movie. Was uh, Mike Tyson mm-hmm. doing the drum roll to in the. Uh, in the air tonight, and then just knocking yep. out <laughs> Galifianakis, I want to say. Uh, I think it was the... It was either him or Cooper. Guy from Cedar Rapids, uh, or The Office. That's, I think, how he lost the tooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. his name? Either way, it's I like... Remember. That part where they they got the tiger in the bathroom, I, and then he just Mike Tyson. Yeah. Ed Helms. Ed Helms, yeah. yeah. I, think it, I think he punches Ed Helms, but I yeah. could be wrong. Ed Helms. Yeah, it's how he lost the tooth. It's kind of a blur, and it's been a while since I saw so, it. Uh, I also really love the opening it up and there's just a tiger in there but like nope yeah exactly that's that's why I love it just because you don't know what's going to happen this next. is a detective movie no 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 no. we're not doing that well, it's a mystery not a detective movie <laughs> four drunk three or whatever drunk detectives boo and a baby oh yeah there's a baby there's a baby yeah there's a baby okay so with that in mind boys what do you have for me this week? Who's going up first on the chopping block, Tom? Dead. Okay. Well, it was pretty easy. I started listing off like all these obscure ones, and I'm like, gut-busting. So I immediately went to Borat, which <laughs> you've seen. I have seen Borat, and I do love Borat as well. That's like one that had the best theater response. Yeah. In person, or like alone, not so much. Yeah. So then I immediately went to Tropic Thunder. Which I have heard of. I don't know what it's about. I think isn't that like, like The Rock and Ben Stiller in them. Well, what do you think it's about? Yeah, what do you think it's about? Isn't this about um, like military guys? <laughs> or do I, I'm thinking of a different movie. Uh, well, uh, yes, no. Okay. Yes, and. 
the brief synopsis, it's directed by Ben Stiller, starring Ben Stiller, Jack Black, and good luck actually knowing that this is him right away, but Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, uh, this is a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Through a series of freak occurrences, a group of actors shooting a big-budget war movie uh-huh. are forced to become the soldiers they are portraying, is the brief description. Okay. They're shooting a movie in not positive what country. And all of a sudden, they're ambushed by actual insurgents. Ah. And now they have to keep portraying, portraying their characters that they're playing in order to survive. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So it's an extremely meta, but uh, action star Tug Speedman is on the downside of his professional career. He wants to be considered a serious actor, but his latest serious role, the titular character Simple Jack, resulted in negative reviews and ridicule. Ridicule. Comedian Jeff Portney, Jack Black, is best known for his leading roles in sophomore comedies, and maybe less than well known for his rampant drug drug use. And then there's five-time Oscar winner Kirk Lazarus, Robert Downey Jr. He's a serious method actor who has completely immersed himself in the African-American leader of the group. Okay. Yeah, it's a bunch of actors in a movie that isn't still being made, but they think it's still being made. <laughs> so, Downey Jr. Okay. is definitely a treat in that. Downey Jr. as the African-American captain insisting on staying in character the entire time is hilarious. Wait, wait, wait. So are you saying they put him in, like, blackface for this yep. movie? Yep. No! Oh, yeah. He is completely in blackface. Oh, my God. As a method actor who's permanently dyed his skin darker so he could portray this character. It's an in-universe thing. <laughs> I like that. Okay. It is, it is one of the most, like, meta and subversive comedies I've seen in a long time. Even Steve as, Coogan knocks it out of the park, though, with his acting. Oh, his, oh yeah. He plays the director. Yeah, I forgot about him. And then there's uh, Tom Cruise is the producer. <laughs> that, <laughs> who's, like, wow. super heavy and really hairy and all this creepy production, <laughs> but it is completely against anything Tom Cruise has ever played. It is one of the funniest, funniest, most meta movies I've seen. Is this PG-13 or R? R. R, okay. Yeah, definitely R. Okay. Uh, mostly Hard for the, the fake war violence. Of right, the right. They stop mid-take and, like, arms blown off and just start talking to the director. And Okay. It's pretty weird, but it's unbelievably well done. It's really funny and different. Okay. Who wants to go next? James. All right, then. Uh, the one I'm going to toss you is Trading Places. Trading Places. Different from the TLC show, Trading Spaces. Uh, yes, uh, very different. Yeah, yeah it's Very similar, but no. In a way, it gets a premise from this. Yeah, so I'm going to go with, it's probably similar to like a Prince and the Pauper type of tale. It is hilarious that you say that because it is often called a modern take on the Prince and the Pauper. Yeah, okay. So, kudos to you on that one. Yay, I got one. <laughs> you, got, you got mine more. You're good. I, I'm pretty sure I had seen a trailer for yours. That's the only reason I do that. Most Stars yeah. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. We love Eddie Murphy. And man, do they... And Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, man, do they bounce off of each other well. A snobbish invent- investor, Louis Winthorpe III... 
Wow, what a Played name. by Dan Aykroyd. What a name. Of and a Wiley Street con artist, Eddie Murphy, Billy Ray Valentine, find their positions reversed as part of a bet by two callous millionaires. Okay. Is this also rated R? No, I want to say it's a PG. No, it's a, it's it a lot of swearing. Oh, no, yeah, right, it is R. No, no. Ooh, we love I, swearing. I remember, I also remember Billy Curtis. There's a lot of other words using, too, not just... Yeah, yeah rated R. Ooh, forgot about that. That was <laughs> one take, by the by. Mm. Yeah, because that man did not want. To... Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's yeah. a hilarious romp, and like I said, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd are wonderful. Hilariously enough, it was originally meant to be the the parts were originally meant to go to Gene Wilder and oh. uh, Richard Pryor. Oh man, I want to see that. That would have been interesting. Yes. It would have been a very different take, but. Yeah. This is just so hilarious. All right. All right. Well, Tom, what do you got for me? <laughs> the movie that I'm going to suggest to you is called Euro Trip. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I, I bet you can't guess what this one's about. I mean, I would imagine there's some kind of traveling taking place, perhaps to a certain uh, European area. Hey, how about that? Oh my god. You're wrong. <laughs> exactly. So the short description is oh dumped by his girlfriend, a high school grad decides to embark on an overseas adventure in Europe with his friends. Where is he getting the money for this? Don't worry um, about that. <laughs> okay. So in all actuality. Okay. In all actuality, the main character, Scott Thomas, <laughs> is just graduating high school. When he's dumped by his girlfriend, who's a whore. Okay. No, no, okay, no. No, no, no. no. Lana slut. Lang is not a whore. Fair. She doesn't do it for money. Lana Lang and Matt Damon are totally a great couple. True. And the way he oh, finds it's Matt out, Damon. Scotty yeah, because Scotty doesn't know. Uh, anyways. Great song. So, <laughs> I forgot about that song. So, she dumps him right at graduation. Nice. At the, at, right after the ceremony. Nice. And goes, here's your coat back. It's not my coat. Anyways, so, uh. right, and his buddy Cooper, his best friend, is there to kind of, like, back him up, but he's a goofball, uh-huh. and doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to what's going on, and just kind of lets the good times roll. Mm. Meanwhile, Scott is supposed to be getting ready to go to med school, that kind of thing, mm. and he confides in his pet German pen pal, Mike, mm. that all this has gone on. Mike makes an advance on him, finding out that he's no longer with his girlfriend, Fiona. And he goes, I never want to hear from you again. Because he's Short drinking. Because he's drinking. He finds out in the morning from his little brother, Bert, that Mike is actually the name Mika, a common German girl's name. Oh. And he even points out... It, he even points out that the letter itself says, I was a sad girl when I heard. Yeah. And he was just too drunk out of his mind. Yeah. And I was a sad girl when I found out about this. And he goes, and I told Mike Mika that I didn't want her to touch my balls. <laughs> and now we find out that it's the exact opposite of what she wants. And then you can kind of see where the rest of it's going. It's uh-huh. a road trip to clear up a misunderstanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, hilarity ensues. 
It is hilarious. Absolutely funny. The first time I saw it, I was literally dying. I was still fine with flying. Oh my god. Red Armiston. Oh my god. So, is this one rated PG-13 then? Rated R. In fact, the version that I own is the unrated version. You got your pick of, like, the hardcore And if you know who Michelle Trachtenberg is. Yes. Her topless at one point. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I know she has a bikini. She was topless? He has the unrated version. I have the unrated version. It's been forever since I've seen it then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she gets topless at uh, one point. No. No? Uh, she flashes cars, but you don't see them. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Juice that. commercial. Sorry. Orange juice commercial in Germany. Two very hot women nude. Yeah. From the waist up. Well, also the beach. Juice. But... <laughs> God, that's right. It's a okay. It's a fun movie. <laughs> it definitely plays a lot of the stereotypes. They're all, they're all pretty fun movies. They are. Okay. They are. They are. Three so Love me what? Euro trip, I know Tropic Thunder. I think is one of the newer ones. What year did each of these come out? Oh, mine's an older one. Oh, six. Two thousand four. Mine is the oldest. At uh, eighty three. Yeah. Mine was the year I graduated high school. And then did you say oh six? Oh eight. Oh eight. Yours is the newest then. Yeah. Yeah, mine's hardcore, the oldest. Okay. Yeah. We see Lawless. I also have mine. All three on DVD. Yeah. You could do all three. No, 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 no. I don't have time That's for not that. how this works. No. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, know. You, had it, you had the entire week, and yet you still just barely watched it. So I'm curious as to, I mean, all of you have your own movies, but do any of you want to vote for another movie you think I should watch as far as, like, like Devin, I, if you think Tom, I would vote for Euro Trip. I would okay. vote for Euro Trip over uh, Trading Places. <laughs> okay, I'm glad I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan of Trading Places. I love like Trading Places. I understand exactly why you say that. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> if you're gonna go with like a classic '80s comedy, if you're going for that vein, Trading Places is up there with The Toy, with uh, Brewster's Million, Fish Called Wanda. Fish Called Wanda. It's that. Classic 80s vein. Okay. If you're looking for that out there, push the limit. pushing the limits type of comedy, mm. Tropic Thunder. If you're looking for that, like, typical early 2000s teen comedy that is just like raunchy road trip, raunchy yeah. road trip style, Euro Trip all the way. Yeah. Okay, because I was leaning towards that one, but I wanted to see what you guys thought. So I will go with Euro Trip, and I want your own rated copy, by the way. It's on Voodoo. Of course, it's on Voodoo. Not sponsored. Which, but not sponsored. Which, by the way, I just got while we were sitting here. <laughs> you be that cocky? I was gonna pick that one. Well, I saw it was on sale, so I picked it up for five bucks. Get there. Oh, it's a good deal. Yeah, five bucks for that movie. It's a really good deal. Yeah. All right, so I will be watching Euro Trip for yeah. the comedy. You're gonna have a good time with that one. I, I will yeah. totally agree. I'm really surprised none of you said Hot Fuzz. I thought about it, but I'm also amazed you haven't seen it. So I'm kind of like I'm learning that she didn't see it. I'm saving that. I would save that for another time. I also don't think it was that it's a gut buster. No, no, no. I thought it was supposed to be funny. It's funny, but it's not gut buster funny. Okay. I see it as an action movie. Yeah. More comedy. So mm. yeah, of the three of us, I think I had the, I'd have the weakest laughs of the gut busters, mm. just because it's definitely a little more. It's the thinky thinky because it was done in oh, the eighties. Okay. Same with the other pick that I would have had, Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. That's def- that's a thinking man's. You'll get some good hard laughs, but it's not joke a minute. Gotcha. Yeah. I put Trading Places very much in the vein of an adult version of the um, Muppets. 
I really hate moments. Well, no, the only reason why is because you have the two old guys sitting there as the millionaires oh, yeah, yeah. sitting there providing commentary. Yeah, you know what? That's actually not a bad way of putting that. And then you've got two of the main Muppets going along doing their thing, getting along with their antics. And then they come back and then they spoil things. And then the two old guys are like, oh, what kind of show is this? Oh, rumble, yeah. Rumble, rumble. Yeah, yeah, that's it. actually not wrong. Right. And I mean, it's the adult version, so it's going to be in the adult vein. It's not going to be as... Again, it's thinking. Yeah, mm. thinking. It's an intellectual comedy. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we wrap up with what's coming out this week? All right. Uh, what's coming out this week is the live action-ish remake of Lion King. I'm excited for this because childhood. However, we've been hearing some interesting things. You know, it's kind of holding a 58% that kind of across the good. board for everybody that say the animation and the animation is phenomenal. <laughs> the emotions coming out of the animated lions, not great. Yeah. Can't really emote through uh, realistic. actual realistic animal. Yeah. That's the that's why I don't get the decision. It's like the biggest thing that I remember from tech demo. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's not a bad way of phrasing it. Because it's like what one of the biggest things I remember is just how expressive everybody was in Lion King. It's like, yeah, they're they're lions, but they definitely went with that and still I remember emotion. I remember seeing the, the fear, the anger, all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to get any of that from a cat face. Yeah, from what I heard, Timon and Pumbaa steal the show. Not surprised. Oh, yeah, big surprise. Zazu? Right? Zazu. Zazu, Zazu yeah. steals the show. And everybody else is like, oh, okay, they're there. What about Rafiki? He's not, like, emotive. He's more so realistic. Ow! So the most human-like of all of the characters is the least emotive. Wow. Okay. It's not that he's not emotive. It's just he's like on the cat level instead of Timon, Pumbaa, and Zazu that are like their own crazy characters. And I think the problem is the fact that they focused on the on the humor characters because they realized they weren't going to get anything from anybody else. Yeah. And like from what I've heard, I haven't seen it yet, but... I may or may not see it. It's it's kind of one that I'm not super interested in. I've seen the movie once, and it's going to be better than this, but it sounds like the music is fine. The music is like listening to the music you've already heard. If you've mm-hmm. heard the music once, you've heard it this time. There's a couple of new songs, and apparently the, the head hyena, I believe played by like Beyonce Knowles or something? So, uh, I thought she sure. was not one. I'm not Shazzy. positive, something like that. But yeah, whoever the the head of the uh, hyenas is, is really good. But then like everyone else is just okay. And they don't have Jeremy Irons though, do they? No. No. So uh, they have for which I love Chuatelagio for, and apparently his voice works. I think Scar. I think I think Shenzi. Scar. I think yeah, yeah. that was it. Who plays Beyonce Shenzi. is Nala. Who's plays Florence Kasumba? Kasumba is Shenzi. Huh, I have yep. no idea who it is, oh. but apparently, yeah. recognize her. She was sec- the security chief. She played Io in Black Panther. Okay, she was the the other Dora Milaje, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, or Ao rather. I think she was the Dora Milaje that threatened, "If you do not move, I will move you." At the end of uh, 
She was also Senator Arcantha in Wonder Woman. Huh. But apparently she's good. She's a, a relatively newer character compared to the others. So. But, yeah, Lion King. That's the big one coming out. And that'll take a lot of the thunder out of everything else in the theater right now. So. It's not going to be a big thunder, though. Uh, it'll be a decent thunder. I think probably $75 million. I don't know if it'll make as much as... Uh, I don't think it'll make it much it back. It won't make as much as like Beauty and the Beast did. It might make more than Aladdin. We'll see. I think people will be going to see it to see, one, the animation quality, yeah. and two, they're going to see it just to see it kind of thing, and then people are going to say, oh, it's not as good, and then word of mouth's going to play in, and people are going to be like, I don't need to see it. I can wait for Netflix. Probably. Or Disney Plus. Or, or HBO. Disney Plus. Or... I'm not yeah. bothering. Yeah. We'll, 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 see. we'll see when... We'll talk about Disney oh, Plus, uh, HBO episode. Max, the like all of the stuff coming down the road, the DC streaming stuff. We'll talk about those some other time. I'm paying five yeah. bucks a piece, and I have yeah. twenty different subscriptions. I'm not saving. Now money. you're spending just as much. Uh, and then next week we have the ninth Tarantino film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Super excited for that one. Actually, I'm I'm hyped for it. Hey! I'm interested, but I wouldn't say that I, I plan on seeing it. After seeing the last trailer that I saw for it, I'm super jacked for this movie. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I like the, the setting. I like the... I like DiCaprio and Brad Pitt as like a, a couple. Almost. Yes. I think that looks cool. I like the whole Charles Manson, Manson family. Charles kind Manson. Of in the background type thing. Like, yeah. That could be interesting, but... Yeah. I'm curious to see if his writing is as good as it could be. We'll find out. We'll see. But I like I like Margot Robbie. She's impressed me in almost everything she's done. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Will Smith movie that she did that she was in with him, uh, where Suicide Squad. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> one before that. The good one. Uh, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Focus. Focus. Yes. Yeah. That was really good. I liked Focus. It was amazing to me. Uh, she stole the she stole the show oh, for me. Yeah, of course. But her uh, acting was amazing. Yeah, and then so, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, there's a, a few like smaller indie films. A couple of films I've seen at the film festival are coming out. Rosie and so on. Right. Well, and in the coming weeks, we'll be hearing more about that coming up, which I'm super excited to get yeah. into. Yeah. Uh, I believe a couple weeks from now. A couple weeks, yeah. We'll deal with that. So, so. Uh, anyway, any final things to say before we sign off for the night? Not really. Uh, yeah. Thanks for everybody liking us on Facebook recently. Yeah. Much appreciated. We're up to over 150 likes so far. Please uh, send us out and invite us, invite your friends and everybody to like us. And you can find us on our Facebook page at ITC Movie Podcast. So please look us up and, you know, if you have any suggestions, anything like that, put them down there, especially if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about. We have the In The Can chat uh, group that you can join. Mm -hmm. Jump in there and uh, it is a comments or... Yeah, it is a closed group. So the whole point of that is that way actual discussion of stuff can go on in there. So you'll have to ask to join that one. And that's just because we don't want people who are just going to like throw shade at people to be coming into that group. We'd actually like, no, we actually want positive discussion going on in that group. So 
we will be heavily moderating that group. So, yeah. If you're into that kind of thing, you want to actually discuss things on a positive level about movies, check it out. Cool. And we'll be putting honorable mentions and that kind of stuff in a post when we post this uh, podcast. So Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, this has been In the Can Podcast. Bye. Have a nice night. Go see more movies. Bye. See ya.